Father, I want to thank you for the work of Jesus. I want to thank you for the stories that we've already heard of how Christ is transforming people, how you're calling even now individuals to be a part of your work, of knowing and making Jesus known. Lord, I thank you for Vicki. I thank you for the faithfulness of her service. I want to thank you for the fact that she is the same person behind the scenes as she is on this stage, that she believes you're big and faithful and strong and that Christ alone has equipped her to be able to do the work to which she's been called. And Lord, I pray that in the transition over these next couple of months, that you'd not only give the leaders of this church and ministry wisdom and the direction in which you might call us to go, but that you'd continue to use and anoint Vicki for the service that you have laid out for her in her future. Thank you for her faithfulness and obedience to hear your voice and to follow when you call. Lord, we thank you for Vicki Davis and Ken and their family have been such a blessing in our church. And we look forward to seeing the next chapter in their lives. And I thank you for these other individuals that have served so faithfully in the APC. Some of them newer volunteers, many of them serving for years and years faithfully in that area. And I pray that you would bless them, God, that you would strengthen and sustain them. And certainly we know they are engaged in a war. They are on the front lines of a battle. And God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would show your victory, your might, your strength in and through them. Anoint them, God. Sustain them, I pray. Be glorified through them. And Father, this morning as we gather around your word, we trust that you'll speak to us. And Lord, I pray for all of those who are under the sound of my voice, those listening over the radio or the internet who have a story that includes abortion, especially those who have had children that have been aborted. God, I pray that you would wash over them today with grace, that they would know that Christ is strong and mighty and gracious to save. I pray we would see them experience healing from that captivity that may have been there for years. Lord, may Jesus Christ show off his mercy and grace in their lives. We thank you that we have a savior who delivers from every form of sin and shame. And I pray for all those in this place today to experience the deliverance and power and abundant life that Jesus alone can offer. Lord, it's in the name of Jesus that we make our prayer. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Could you, church, give one last word of thanks to these volunteers. Thank you, guys. God bless you. God bless you. As you take your Bibles, would you turn to Psalm 8? Psalm 8 will be our passage of Scripture that we'll study this morning. And I love this powerful passage of Scripture. Um, So appropriate on a morning like today, and it reminds us, it reminds us of why we would set aside a morning for the sanctity of human life. Um, I think it's self-evident for the followers of Jesus Christ that have engaged in this conversation for quite a long time. It's, it's self-evident that we would, we would set aside a, a, a Sunday at least each year where we would be reminded as God's people that there is a, a a work of the enemy going on in the world around us, and that work is pervasive. I, I know we've heard the, the numbers, and numbers don't tell the story, but somewhere around 1 to 1.2 million abortions that occur in this nation every single year. 
It's over 3,000 abortions a day. That means when we're sitting in this room today, during our time in the sanctuary, about 170 abortions will occur right now as we're gathered here. When you take that lens and you, you spread that out globally, it's even more pressing. 42 million abortions performed every year around the world. 42 million, 115,000 per day. That means while we're sitting in this room, almost 6,000 babies will be aborted around this world. And it's clear, guys, there is an all-out assault of God's enemy on the lives of the unborn in this world. And that in and of itself, as sobering and hard as it is, to talk about is a reminder of why these moments are important for us as God's people, that we would not bury our heads in the sand and act like we are unaware of what is occurring in our world and in our nation. But this morning, as I was praying over this passage, as I I, I was reminded a couple weeks ago of this passage of scripture and how it relates to the sanctity of human life. There's something that I'm praying will go off in your heart and, and in my heart. And, and here's what I'm praying will, will be made evident by God's word through the power of his Holy Spirit. I want us to see that there's something bigger that's at stake, something that's bigger that's at the heart of this issue. It's the very reason why human beings should be valued in the very first place. It is the reason we believe in the sanctity of human life. It's the reason we would believe it's evil to devalue human life at all. Old, young, rich, poor, black, white, Christian, Muslim, atheist, that we would believe it's essential to honor and value the dignity and sanctity of human life. There's something underneath it, and what's at the heart of this issue, I want us to see, is not just that people are precious, it's that God is glorious. Well, what's at the heart of this issue is the very glory of Almighty God. And it's God's glory that infuses meaning into the sanctity of human lives. And I want to show you that from the scripture. And I've got to tell you, my prayer this morning is that you would leave this place and the first and foremost application of this passage is that your heart would really feel that God himself is awesome, is wonderful and glorious. Not just that People are precious. So look at Psalm 8, and let's read the word of the Lord. Psalm 8, to the choir master, according to the Giddeth, a psalm of David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babies and infants you have given strength because of your foes to still the enemy and avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the heavens are the work of God's fingers. I love that. He didn't even have to put his back into it. Just his fingers created all that is. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, 
What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care? WCPLLP Merritt Island. You have made him a little more than heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the work of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea and whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of God for us today. That that psalm is fairly clear. It starts off right away reminding us of this. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then you notice in verse nine at the very end, he he repeats that refrain. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David writing this Psalm wants us to be clear that the reason this Psalm is included in God's word and given to us is that we would know and see and respond to the fact that our Lord Almighty God is majestic in how much? All the earth. That word majestic literally means to inspire all. It it literally means this, that you would see something and you would respond by saying, that is awesome. And in this context, what he's saying is that as we look around at all the earth, everywhere you go, everything you see on every part of this planet to the end of the universe itself, there are fingerprints of God. It's all the work of his finger. There are fingerprints of God that when you see them, your heart should respond by saying, God is awesome. And not just saying it, right? meaning it, that your heart would be stirred to say, there's, there's no one like God. And everywhere you look, everywhere you look, if you've got eyes to see it, guys, if you have eyes to see it, everywhere you look, there are fingerprints of God that say he is awesome. Did you know that? You want some examples? Well, I'm going to give them to you whether you want them or not. Do you guys know how bees get pollen out of the flower? My kids do because I told them. I'll share with you. You may not know this, but bees, when they flap their wings, are like little electric generators. Their wings produce positive electrical charges, and that spreads throughout their body. And you may also wonder, then how does that affect the pollen? Well, here's the deal. Almost every flower on the, on the earth is charged with a negative electrical charge. And so the bees have those wings that are like little electric generators and they're producing positive electrical charges. They go to the flower, which has a negative electrical charge. And when it lands, the positive charge of the bee's body mixes with the negative charge of the the flower itself, causing the pollen to be attracted like a magnet to the body of the bee. Isn't it cool that happened on its own over an unguided process of billions of years? Isn't that cool? Are you kidding me? And, and, when, and when you see that, you know what you, your response is supposed to be? Bees are awesome. Now, right? God is awesome. You guys know how millions of birds migrate every year from the same spot to the same spot, normally thousands of miles away? 
You probably do, but I'll tell you anyhow. They have three different systems of guidance. They have a sun compass, a star compass, and they have a magnetic compass. For the the birds that have a, a, a sun compass, they fly during the day. They migrate during the day, and they use the sun and its position in the sky as their point of orientation. And, and they see the sun, and they, they immediately head in the direction of their nest, a spot pinpointed thousands of miles away, and without fail, they reach their nest. Now, some of you are saying, well, because uh, I'm an egghead, and this is the Space Coast, and a lot of engineers, you're saying, well, well isn't the sun kind of varied in the sky, <laughs> right? Like 23 and a half degrees is the Earth's axis, it's tilted, and so throughout the year, the sun, you guys are all thinking that, right? Well, here's the steal. Well, what, what happens? I'll tell you what happens. The bird's brain is programmed automatically to allow for the 23 and a half degree tilt of the earth, and it automatically adjusts its math to account for the different path the sun would take in the sky. Isn't that, isn't that pretty cool? <laughs> birds are awesome. And now I just realized I'm here to talk on Sacred Human Life Sunday about the birds and the bees. That's, that's not a joke. <laughs> what about the birds that have star orientation? Well, they migrate at night. And when they fly, their, their minds, literally, their minds are programmed to find one star in all of the sky. It's called the pole star. And all of those birds look for the exact same star in the sky. When they find the pole star, they orient their bodies to fly in the direction automatically of their nest. There's the the magnetic direction. They, They have actually in their necks these little crystals of magnetite. And when they fly, the magnetic field of the earth's poles generates something in their neck that immediately causes them to fly in the exact direction of their nest that's thousands of miles away. And when you hear that, aren't you glad that that all happened on its own over billions of years with an unguided process of chance? What are we supposed to say? God is awesome. And do you not know that everywhere you look on planet Earth, everywhere you look on planet Earth, there's the fingerprint of God. That he is awesome in all the earth. From the smallest cell, the micro machine that is the bacterial flagellum, which I'm sure you're all thrilled to know about, to the greatest star, Canis Majoris, four quadrillion earths would fit inside it. From the smallest cell to the greatest star, the heavens declare with unfailing faithfulness, our God is awesome awesome. There in in verse one, when it says that his glory is filling the earth, he set his glory, it says, above the heavens. That word above literally means that it's bigger, higher, beyond. And, And what the Bible is saying is this, in the moment when you say to yourself, as you look at creation, God is awesome, you need to be reminded of this. Tex, thank you for keeping me alive. I appreciate that. Can you give my partner my, 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 he saved your pastor's life today. I think I was somewhere on that. It's over all the earth. When you think God is awesome, here's what the psalmist is saying. He's more awesome than that. He's bigger than that. He's better than that. He's greater than that. Our God, and here's the point of this psalm, our God is awesome 
beyond our understanding. Our God is awesome beyond our understanding. And then as you move into how our awesome God has displayed his glory in all of the universe, verse five tells us something really incredible about us. This awesome God whose fingerprints are everywhere has made his majesty most clearly known in a peculiar part of all of his creation. Look at verse five. Verse five, go, actually go back to verse three. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made man, humans, people, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Our awesome God, who is greater than we can understand, has made his glory and majesty known in a very peculiar way. He has put dignity and honor and even glory into people. Guys, we occupy a very special role in all of creation. We could talk about God's glory displayed in bees, in cells, in stars, Birds, but guys, God has made his glory known in and through and to people in a very special way. It actually says here, you've made him a little lower than heavenly beings. That word heavenly beings is an interesting word. It's the word Elohim. Now, some of you who've done some in-depth Bible study on the names of God are familiar with that name. You know, that's actually the first reference to God himself that you find in the Bible. That word Elohim is Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And right there in that passage, that word is used to describe how God has made us a little lower than Elohim. Now, that word sometimes is referring to capital G, God. Other times, just like our word, God, it's literal G, God. Sometimes it's talking about false gods. Sometimes it's talking about God-like beings, like the heavenly beings or the angels. And that's the word he uses there. He says this, we as people have been given an honor and a dignity and a glory in that out of all of creation, he's created people, he's created people to be a little lower than Elohim. In a sense, he's created us to be godlike. Now we know that's true because Genesis 1, 26 tells us that when God made man, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit speaking with one another said, let us make man in our image. And then after the likeness of himself, God made man. So people bear the image of God and as the image bearers of God, he has uniquely shown us a certain kind of honor, a kind of Dignity, And there are three ways, and I'm just going to go through this very quickly, three ways that this psalmist describes how God has shown honor to people. Verse two says something really interesting, and it kind of sounds like it's out of the blue. We've seen his glory in the heavens, his majesty fills the earth. Verse two, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes 
to still the enemy and the avenger. Guys, I, I know there are a lot of questions that surround that. Like, how old are these babies? And can they talk? Are they, are they little? Is it talking about how they cry? Is it metaphorical, talking about what comes out of their mouth? We know that Jesus quoted this passage of scripture in Matthew when he was talking about the children there at his triumphal entry to Jerusalem. And he says, out of the mouths of these infants and babies, God has ordained praise that the mouth of babes praise the name of God. And in the praise of God through the creation of babies, God defeats his enemies. And the point isn't all the details about how God does that. The the point is that when God chooses to defeat his enemy, he uses the weakest of people. He honors people by using us, by using babies. And guys, there are so many ways in which I've seen the glory of God, and you have too, in his thumbprint on babies. And as we go through the development, and as I learned that when my children were 19 days old in their mother's wombs, all those cells that, that were, were there as part of their little body hadn't yet specialized necessarily, except that there were a few cells that had specialized to be heart cells. And then out of the blue, 19, 20 days after conception, one of those cells begins to beat, and it causes the cells around it to beat, and that causes the cells around that to beat. And on that day, the glory of God in the womb of a mother causes all of those cells to begin beating in rhythm over and over and over. And listen, aren't you glad that happens all on its own? No, God does it. God does it, the fingerprint of God being declared in the womb of a mother, defeating the work of the enemy. God has given honor to babies and that he uses his power displayed in them to defeat the work of his enemy. God also uses man to exercise dominion in all the earth. You can see it there in verses six through eight. It says, you've given him dominion over the works of your hands and put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea and whatever passes along the paths of the sea. God has chosen for people to occupy a special place in creation and that he rules this world through his work in men. He's given us the privilege of being his ruling presence on this earth and to exercise dominion over the rest of the world. Here's what that means. Your dog isn't your peer, all right? Your dog is not, it's okay for your dog to look at you as the master. Now listen, it's also a sign that sin has caused the world to go wrong, that when I take my dogs on a walk, I'm expected to pick up after them. That is not how God intended it. God has given dominion Through us, a special role. We could talk a lot about that, but he's also honored us not only by showing his weakness, his strength and the weakness even of babies and giving dominion to people a special role, but God has given men a special honor in that he's mindful of us and he cares for us. That's what verse four says. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? That word care means to visit someone in order to take care of them. Mindful means to remember or think about. Just let this wash over you. God thinks about you. He thinks about your life. He thinks about your feelings. He thinks about your past, your present, and your future. And his thoughts don't repel him from you. His thoughts compel him toward you. He thinks about you 
and he cares. He visits us. And, and as I was thinking about that, that he shows his strength in the weakness of babies, he exercises dominion in the earth, and, and he cares for and visits us, I, I was reminded that all three of those things, the honor that God's shown to people, all three of them find their fullness in Jesus, right? That it was in the weakness of a baby born to a virgin named Mary that God brought his strength into this world. It was in the work of dominion that Jesus, the God-man, defeated all of the enemies, death, hell, sin, and the grave. He bore our sin and our shame and he took them on the cross so we could be forgiven and he could raise us up to a brand new life as we would trust in him. He exercises dominion over all your enemies, your past, your present, your future, your sin and your shame. Jesus himself came to us He visits us, and out of love, he cares for us in our deepest need. Jesus is the fullest expression of humanity, and he became one of us because God has chosen to honor us. He's chosen to give dignity to us. He's chosen that people would display his glory in a special way way out of all creation. And when you put that all together, here's what this psalm is teaching us. That our God is awesome and he has displayed his glory in all of creation most clearly in the honor and the dignity that he's given to people. He's displayed his glory in all of creation through the honor and dignity of people. And here's what that means for us, guys. Here's what that means for us every day of the year, including Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. It means that in order for us to worship God, we must honor the honor he's placed on people. In order for us to worship God, we must honor the honor he has placed upon people, including the smallest and the weakest, like unborn babies. Guys, what this psalm is telling us is that to dishonor the unborn baby is to dishonor the God who knows and thinks about and cares for that child. To dishonor an unborn baby is to dishonor the God who's formed that baby and his fingerprints are all over that baby and he desires his name to be praised through that baby. To dishonor an unborn baby is to dishonor the God God who shows his glory through the very weakness of that child. The God who makes his strength known out of the mouths of babes. And what that means then is that abortion isn't just about a woman's choice or an alternative to pregnancy. Abortion isn't just a political agenda. Do not reduce it to a political agenda. That means abortion isn't just about people. Abortion is an assault on the very glory and majesty of God. Abortion is a declaration of war on the work of God's hands and his majesty in a womb. Abortion is an attempt to suppress God's glory from being displayed in this world, both in the life of that unborn child and in the life of the women who are victims to the lies and the deceit of our enemy. We cannot worship God unless we honor the honor that he has given to people. 
all people, the ones that are not like us, the ones who are weak, who are small, who disagree with us, who live in a different part of the world, who have a different political agenda, who have reached different conclusions, people that we may deeply be concerned about because of their rejection of God are still people that we are called to honor because God himself has honored them. And on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, it's important for us to remember that we are not just for the sanctity of human life because we believe that people are precious. And we do believe that people are precious. We are for the sanctity of human life because we are for the glory of God and he believes that people are precious. That's why this conversation, this truth, this teaching matters. It's for the glory of God's name. There are three ways that we can respond in a God-honoring way, and I just want to share these three things with you. If you're saying, so what do I do in response? Let me give you three things, and there are more, I'm sure, but it includes these three. The first one of how we could respond is praise. <laughs> the first way for you to respond to this teaching is to praise. And some of you see God's glory, and your heart is thrilled, and you don't need to be told to praise God, but some of us are passing by God's glory all day, every day, and our heart isn't thrilled. And this morning, I'm encouraging you, would you call on God to thrill your heart? Praise is the response of God's people. The most important response to this teaching is that you would praise God. And I want to encourage you, would you praise him for being a God who loves and cares and forgives and restores? Some of you dread Sanctity of Human Life Sunday because you've had an abortion and you walk in these doors and you listen to a guy like me and wave upon wave of guilt and shame just washes over you and you do not feel like praising God. You want to hide your head in shame. Friend, you have reason to praise God because he is kind and gracious and forgives and restores. Do not let shame be your response. Praise him that he's given us Jesus that he restores all the enemy and our own sin is broken praise. You can respond through praise. I encourage you to respond through praying. You can praise, you can pray. Would you, would you pray for a great awakening in this nation and around this world? Would you pray for a great awakening that's more than a political movement? Would you pray for people's eyes to be seen to see that God is glorious, that he's awesome, that he's wonderful. Would you pray for a great awakening and eyes to be seen to the glory and majesty of God and his creation, including his people, including the, the babies that are at the heart of this conversation? Would you pray that God's glory would become the heart? You can praise, you can pray, and you can play a part and honoring the honor of God. I want to encourage you to pray about this. Would you pray about serving um, and supporting our Agape Pregnancy Center? Um, 
Vicky has never come to us and said, we just have way too many people volunteering. <laughs> would you pray that God would stir your hearts if that's where he wants you? We don't want to be guilt-driven. We want to be spirit-led. If that's where God would call you, would you pray about serving? There are so many different roles and ways that you can come alongside intervening, intervening in the lives of women who are vulnerable to abortion, uh, bringing uh, healing work of Jesus to women who have had abortions, being a part of caring for women who've chosen life, and you can come alongside those parents, mothers and fathers, helping to equip them. Um, Vicki Davis, our director, began by holding babies. It's a great work, and most of the time it's really enjoyable. I'm talking about the diapers and such. (laughs) Serve and support our agape pregnancy ministry. Would you pray about stepping into foster care ministry? That's why we have those two tables. Here's what we believe. We believe that being pro-life is more than just being pro-birth. And what we mean by that is that we don't want to just stand on the sidelines and shout to women that they should keep their children or they should give those children up for adoption. We want to be the church that steps in out of the sidelines and says, for those women who have chosen life, we will come alongside you and we will not forget the choice you've made. And one of the ways you can do that is through foster and adoption care. There are individuals in our foyer who, who would love to explain to you how you can open your home to foster a child in this community, how you could even open your home to adopt a child who's awaiting adoptive parents. You could be a support structure, making meals and helping out with with families that have chosen to foster children. You may say, I I don't think I'm able to open my home or we're beyond that place where it's probably wise for us to open our home. But you can be a part of ministering to families who have opened their home to foster care and adoption. Another opportunity is guardian ad litem. You've probably heard that word. What that means is that we're able to be the legal representative for foster children in this community, being the ones who say, They have a voice and it needs to be heard. You get to go into court, you get to meet with representatives and you get to communicate to individuals who can make a difference what would be in the best interest of that child. You get to be the voice to people who have very little voice. You may be interested in that. There's information there. But but there are three ways you can respond. I wanna just reflect over those real quickly and then we're gonna pray. You, You can praise and I pray you will. You can pray and I pray you will. And you can play a part of stepping in to pro-life ministry through the APC, foster care and adoption, and any other way the Spirit might lead. But before we go, would you bow your heads? I want to give you an opportunity to reflect even now. And first of all, some of you may need to call on Jesus to save. Your sin, your guilt, your shame may be present with you today. And nothing stirs our heart to praise Almighty God like receiving the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. So if you've never called on Jesus to save, if you see your brokenness and your sin and your shame and you know you can't make it right, would you call on Jesus? Acknowledging that he lived the perfect life you haven't lived and that he died the death you should have died as a payment for your sin and that he rose again three days later so that not only would he give his life 
for you. He would live his life through you if you would trust in him. Call on Jesus right now. Don't leave this place without knowing Christ. Would you pray? Would you pray for the eyes of people to be open to the majesty of God? And that it would include your eyes, that you would see God as glorious today. That you'd take time through this week to look around and not just pass by the fingerprints of God, but to look at them and say, God, you are awesome. Would you pray for your eyes and the eyes of this community to be open to the majesty of God? Would you commit to pray for a great awakening? An awakening that starts not, not, not by acknowledging the dignity of people, but an awakening that begins by acknowledging the glory of God. Pray for a Holy Spirit change in the culture where we live. And then would you ask God how he's calling you to play a part? Maybe it's to serve or support the APC. Maybe it's to grab one of those baby bottles and to fill it with change. More than just change. To open your home for foster care. Just pray for God to lead you. And that as he leads you, commit to follow. Lord, we praise you for your glory. It's, it's all around us. There is nowhere that we can look that we cannot see your fingerprints if we will have eyes to see them. So Lord, I pray that you do that in our hearts, that we would be thrilled at you, that we wouldn't blow by your glory revealed because of the busyness and short-sightedness of our lives. God, you are wonderful beyond our comprehension. Your name is majestic in all the earth. Father, we ask for a powerful awakening of your Holy Spirit, an awakening in which the eyes of men and women are open to see your glory and majesty. That Holy Spirit change would mean more than just the success of a political agenda, but God, that Holy Spirit change would look like the repentance and transformation of people as they call on Jesus to save. And Father, may your church, may this church, may we as your church play a part in honoring the dignity you've placed on people. Babies, unborn, newborn. Lord, I pray for the continual outpouring of your support and power over the APC. I pray for continual calling into that ministry. I pray for moms and dads to open up their homes to foster care, to support the families that have. God, I pray we would be your hands and feet. We would step in and play a part in honoring the dignity of the unborn, of babies and children and their parents. Lord, we love you. We know we need you. And God, we praise you that we have you. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name.